This morning, I, I, I find my task to be as, as uh, really wasn't expecting that song and, and things had changed. And, uh, but my task this morning is to convince you how much Jesus loves you uh, and how much God really does love you. Because my task this morning is to help you understand how big a sinner you really are. Sometimes we, as believers, uh, we uh, uh, think that the really big sinners are, are those people out there. And uh, but but in fact, we are the we we should always be the greatest sinner we know. Jesus, last week we said that Jesus looked at his at the crowds and he said, "Listen." In order to, to enter the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness needs to surpass the, that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, when his hearers heard that, the first thing they, they thought of was that nobody can be saved. Because the most righteous people we know are, are the scribes and the Pharisees. These are the, the men who have upheld the traditions they 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 know they know what it's what it is to do good and they they keep the law they keep the traditions meticulously and and so how in the world can we be saved i'm sure when the scribes and the pharisees heard it they that that might have shocked them as well because they're thinking of themselves as man we are the best of the best of the best they were noted for their self-righteousness. And self-righteousness continues even on to this day. It's easy to become self-righteous, and it's, it's even easier not to see it in ourselves. I found it interesting, though, that as I was studying for this message, I saw that, that people today are not self-righteous because they think they are better than everybody else, more moral than everybody else. They just think they're just a little less evil than everybody else. In fact, the University of Chicago uh, Business School did a research project, and, and that's what they found out, that people looked at themselves and they, they, they just thought that their, their immoral behavior was not as bad as other people. And when they looked at themselves, they would say, well, you know, I not, you know, they, they, they could see other people capable of doing really bad things, but, but not themselves. You see, you can be self-righteous by thinking yourself better, or you can be self-righteous by not thinking yourself as bad as other people. But Jesus will have none of it. The, the, and over the next couple of weeks, as we study the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to, to, to say a phrase over and over again. He's going to say, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. Now, the reason he does this is because in Jesus' day, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were, they were not just, they were not just the, 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 experts in the law, they were experts in the traditions that were built up around the law. So what happened over, over hundreds of years, the teachers would say, this is what the law meant. 
And so, uh, so the scribes were the scribes. They were able to record and memorize everything that every teacher said about how to keep the law. And the Pharisees were the ones who did it. They 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 kept it. But Jesus says that's not good enough because it's not about keeping what everybody else says what the law says, I'm going to tell you what it says. Now, how could Jesus do that? Well, he's the author. He, he's God. Uh, he, he was the, he, it was him who, 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 who spoke to Moses and gave the law in the first place. So he could tell us what it really means. And he's going to start this week with a commandment that everybody in this room and I'm sure that most everybody who heard it when Jesus spoke it would say, hey, I'm not guilty of that. I've kept that law because he's going to deal with what it means to kill. What it means, in fact, the, the, the sixth commandment says, "Thou" literally says, thou shalt not commit murder. That's what the word kill there means. And, and, and thou shalt not commit murder. Now, everybody has, oh, yes, I, I've kept that. I've kept that. And Jesus is going to say, wait a minute. So let's look at what he says. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. You may be seated. And now, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing unto you that we would truly know today how great your grace is and how great your love for us is because we are the worst of sinners. We have not even kept the sixth commandment. So help us to see that truth this morning for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure some, some, as I said, I'm sure some of the hearers, when Jesus said, you've heard it said that from old that, that you shall not commit murder, that, that everybody would say, yes, I've kept that. I've kept that. Uh, and everybody here would say, yes, I've kept that. But Jesus says, listen, the, the, the act of murder does not begin with the act. It begins with the attitude of the heart. And until you look at the heart and realize that, you've, that, that the essence of murder has already been in your heart, you're not going to recognize how big a sinner you really are. Because Jesus is going to tell us, first of all, that if I'm going to keep the sixth commandment, then I must not be angry with others. 
Look at what he says. Look at what he says in the passage of Scripture. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Now, that word anger there, there's actually two words in the Greek that can mean angry. One of them is a quick fire. Uh, It's a burst of anger that comes up and then it goes down. But the word he uses here is a deep-seated anger that keeps smoldering. In fact, it's an, it's an anger that you keep stirring in your heart. And he says, listen, if you, if you keep that kind of stirring anger in your heart, if you've ever done that, then, then you're subject to judgment. In fact, the word there is to be brought before the local town council to be judged. You say, well, wait a minute, well, wait a minute, Jesus, well, Jesus got angry? Are you saying that Jesus sinned? No, I'm not. Because, listen, when Jesus got angry, he got angry over sin and injustice, and it never had anything to do with his ego. It never had anything to do with him personally. It was always about the sin and injustice. In fact, I know that to be true because in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, Peter writes this. He says, when Jesus was reviled, what? He did not revile in return. When suffering, he did not threaten, but committed himself to the one who judges justly. That is, when people hurt him personally, he didn't get angry over that. He He got angry when people were keeping people from God. But never he did he get angry when people hurt him personally. Now, let me stop here and ask you a question. Have you ever got anger, angry because somebody hurt you? Ha- have you ever nursed a grudge? Ha- 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 have you ever let the sun go down on your anger be- and-, and you allow bitterness to enter into your heart? Jesus says, if you've done that, then you're guilty of murder. And you've broken the sixth commandment. But not only that, not only that, he says, he says to keep the sixth commandment, I must not disrespect others. In the passage here, he says, and whoever insults his brother. Now, in the King James and in other translations, it says they call their brother Raka. Raka, which is really hard to translate because it's more about the tone of voice than it is actually what you're saying. Basically, it's saying, you blockhead, you idiot. It's looking down on somebody because of what they've done to you, and you just shout out. Or you do something in anger over that. You mind if I, you mind if I, I, I give, give a word of confession here? Back when I was in college, I was not, uh, I was not, I, I was backslidden, okay? And, and I was on my way to, to, to school. I was living with mom and dad, and I was going to UNC Charlotte, and I was running a little late for my class, and, and some... See, if I say it now, you know what I'm thinking. Because I, I, you know, I really want to use the word idiot, but I shouldn't. Okay, but, but he was driving 45 in the fast lane in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. 
And of course, you know what I did. The same thing you would have done. And you know how it is, and you get stuck behind him, and everybody else is passing him. And so you're, and so I was really, really, really angry because, yeah, I'm late. And so I'm getting there, and I finally get over, and I'm going around him, and I was going to flip him the bird. And I looked over, and I went like this, and it was the associate pastor of the church. I was attending, so I went like this. Hey, hey. <laughs> but Jesus said things like that. That, does, that doesn't even need to be judged by the town council. He said, that's so bad, it needs to go before the Sanhedrin, but go before the council of the state. He's saying, that's so bad, it needs to go to the Supreme Court. So have we ever gotten that mad that, that we just looked down on somebody and just wanted to call them out, just call them a dumb blockhead or an idiot or stupid or whatever? Jesus says you're, you're guilty of, of breaking the sixth commandment. But not only that, he said in order to keep the sixth commandment, you must never gossip or malign somebody's other people's character. Look at what he says. He says, he says, and whoever says you fool will be liable to hell of fire. Now, why is that so bad? Because, because this is why. Because in, in Psalm 14, 1, it says what? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. What they're saying is this person is such a this person is such a vile sinner that they just, they, they live and, and they live as if there is no God. That this person is, is, is crooked. This person, they, they, they have no moral character. And what does Jesus say? When you say that, when you, when you malign somebody's character, when, when and, and you know what happens when, when, when you're angry with somebody and you, you start tearing them down and maligning their character? What do you do? You got to start telling about them to other people. And Jesus says what? He said that's even worse because that, that, deserves, that deserves hellfire. Now, most of us, when we come to this commandment, we go, not guilty. I'm a good person because I've, I've never murdered. But Jesus is saying to you right now, if you've ever gossiped about somebody, if you've ever maligned your, their character, you deserve hell because you have broken this commandment. But that's all the negative of what, what it means not to do it. Then what does it mean to, to keep the commandment? Well, Jesus says what, means, what it means to keep the commandment is, is when somebody does something instead of to you or instead of, instead of 
getting angry and upset and, and, and wanting to tear them down. He says, always seek reconciliation. Notice what he says here. He says, listen, he says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, so you're headed to church, you're getting ready to get, you know, the offering plate's getting ready to come around, or you're getting ready to sing, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, somebody, somebody is upset with me. Not that you're upset with somebody else, not that you have something against somebody else, but, but somebody else has something against you. Now, why does he do that? It's, it's very simple. Most of the time, most of the time, when people hurt us, the, well, number one, the people who hurt us most are the people we're closest to. Not true? And most of the time, I'm going to tell you right now, most of the time, when somebody hurts you who is close to you, that was never their intention in the first place. That was never their intention. That's what he's saying. He's saying, but you're realizing all of a sudden you're, you're getting ready to worship and, and you realize, wait a minute, somebody has something against me. And you start thinking, what did I do? And you really can't think of anything you've done. Why? Because you never really intended to hurt them. Isn't that true? You never really intended it. It, it. You may have just had a bad day, and you said something that you really didn't mean to say. It, you know, it, it, it may have come across, what, a way that you never intended it to come across. Or you may have done something that you never really intended to do to hurt that person. But somehow it's created an offense with them. And what does Jesus say? He says, before you worship, you go and you seek to try to reconcile. You try to make it right. But what do we do most of the time? What do we do? When, when somebody has something against us and we start to realize it, we get, we get defensive and we say, well, I didn't do nothing wrong. There's no need for me. They're the ones with the problem, not me. And the further they pull away from you, you pull away from them. And Jesus says, listen, it, 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 until you go and reconcile with them, until you go and seek to make it right, don't come worshiping me. Because you're in violation of the sixth commandment. But then he says to do it quickly. Look at what he says. He says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to, to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. What is, what is he saying? He's saying he, he's using, a, a, you know, a, in that day and up until, you know, not too long ago, and if you think about relatively speaking, if you owed somebody a debt, they could put you in debtor's prison. You know, if, if you owed somebody money and, and, and you haven't paid it back, they could, they could have you put in prison. And, and, and if you're in prison, how can you pay off the debt? Unless your family loves and cares enough about you that they raise the money, you're going to sit in prison for the rest of your life. And so Jesus is saying, listen, if, there, if there's a conflict, deal with it quickly. Why? 
Because the longer you wait, the worse it gets. The longer you wait, the greater the chance of bitterness will raise up in you. And Jesus is saying to us today, this is what it means for your righteousness to surpass that of the scribes and Pharisees. This is the kind of righteousness that you need in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm already disqualified. I'm disqualified from the kingdom of heaven. Because I've broken the one commandment I never thought I could break. But that's why I need Jesus. That's why I need Jesus. Because he's the one who lived that perfect life. And because I've broken that commandment, I, 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 have, I have guilt written all over me. I'm guilty of murder. Without killing. And unless my sin is paid for, then I deserve hell. But God, who loves me so, sent his one and only son, Jesus. And he lived a sinless life. He never broke the sixth commandment. And he died in my place. He took the penalty for my sin. But then, not only that, he not only took the penalty for my sin, then God has given me his righteousness. So that, listen, Jesus got everything I deserve. And God gives me everything Jesus And so I need Jesus. But you know something? I need Jesus because now I'm called to keep the sixth commandment. But you know, by nature, by, by nature, I may forgive, but I won't forget. True? By, by nature, I want to hold on to my anger. By, by nature, I will, always, I will always see, if you hurt me, I, by nature, I will seek ways to insult you and disrespect you. By my nature, if you hurt me, I, my nature wants to gossip about you and tear you down. And so I need what? I, I need, first of all, the Spirit of God to remind me. I, I, need this, I need the Spirit of God to remind me that on the cross... When, Jesus, when they hurt Jesus, his response was, Father, forgive them. 
I need Jesus, and I need the Spirit of God to remind me that, that when Jesus' best friends abandoned him, that after the resurrection, Jesus told the women, make sure you tell Peter too. I need, I need the Holy Spirit to remind me that instead of getting angry, instead of letting the offense to grow, I need, I need the Holy Spirit to remind me that Jesus restored his disciples who hurt him greatly. I, I need Jesus to remind me. I, I, need, I need the Holy Spirit to remind me what? That, that I hurt Jesus. That it was my sin that he bore on the cross. And yet he called me back to himself. I need his spirit to remind me that I've died to that old nature. You know, by nature, I want to do all these things, but, but the Holy Spirit's got to remind me what? That I've died to that. That's no longer me. That, that's not lo no longer the way I should handle things. I need the Spirit to remind me that I've been crucified with Christ, that I'm a new creation, that, that sin has no more power over me. I, I need the Spirit to give me the love to go to the person With humility, because they have something against me. Not to go with defensiveness, but to go with humility and love and say, I I'm not sure what I've done, but I know I must have done something. Please forgive me. I need his spirit to give me the words to say and the spirit to say it in order that I can always seek reconciliation. See, I need him, his power, in order for me to be able to keep this one commandment that I thought was so easy. That's why I need Jesus. And this is why I know he loves me so. Because I'm a murderer. According to God's definition. And yet, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And he loves you. 